What's up, everybody? I want to welcome you to Transcending Sport, The Rob Crew Show. This is the podcast. I had an interesting conversation with an old friend, Jamie Dufak. She works for NCSA. And if you don't know what that is, they actually work with families and all different sports, uh, helping them navigate the college recruiting and selection process. So we got to talking, and I said, you know what? It would be great to have you on the podcast. So we brought her on. The conversation was awesome. It was very thought-provoking, very deep. And we talked about some topics that most people just don't want to talk about. Um, controversial, but nevertheless necessary. I want you to check it out. We talked about recruiting. and We talked about that very sensitive topic of early recruiting. And when we talk about early recruiting, a lot of times it's like, it's, it's touchy because I feel like most of the people who are complaining about early recruiting are the people who didn't benefit from it. But the people who have committed early, they never complain about it, obviously because they benefited from it. And I think there's a small minority of people who do benefit from early recruiting. And the reason why it's such a big topic, I believe that it's a little bit of a misunderstanding on the part of most people, but also a little bit of hate sprinkled on top of that. Um, at the same time, I understand why the people that I know that have, have, have committed early have done it. Um, and I'm sure that if many of the people who are complaining about early recruiting, had they committed early, they would not be complaining. So um, it's a matter of, okay, one, are you good enough? Two, does someone think you're good enough? And three, yeah, you may be too young to make that decision, but even high school seniors are too young to make that decision. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I made, I made my decision when I was a senior, and I was I didn't I didn't understand my decision fully. But that's why you have parents, and parents give you guidance, and parents help kids to navigate that. So let's take a listen. Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. Welcome to Transcending Sport. I am your host, Rob Cruz. Our guest is Jamie Dufek, senior softball recruiting coach for NCSA. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you. How's life out there in Chicago? Uh, cold per usual. <laughs> not getting probably as much snow as you uh, up on the East Coast, but no, things are things are going good. Playing catch up from convention last week, but other than that, things are going well. That's great. So, um, one of the so Chicago. So, are you born and raised in Chicago? I am, yes. So I live in the city right now because mm -hmm. um, that's where our office is located, actually out of Lincoln Park. But mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in the suburbs, so just about 25 minutes out of the city. Um, went to school in Iowa and then uh, found myself back in back in Illinois. So my family's still here, so they can't get rid of me just yet. <laughs> just yet, okay. So work. So I want to I want to get to some some really um, some some topics. You know, with 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 the, with the podcast. You know, one of my goals and. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, before I get into that, let's just, Jamie and I, just for those who don't know, we actually didn't know that we knew each other. It was weird. It's weird. <laughs> but we happened to be. I still don't know how we know each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, you know, we, we go back to the San Antonio convention, the infamous food fight that only a few people know about. There was an actual food fight at like, I think it was like maybe four in the morning. Uh, yeah, could be. Yeah. Could be. It, 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 it pains me to admit that, but I think you are correct. <laughs> there, there was a there was an infamous food fight, and um, there may or may not have been a couple of casualties. And um, <laughs> but I'll, <laughs> I'll leave I'll leave it right there. So you fast forward to 2017. You know, we were able to reconnect. Um, I actually didn't know what she did as a profession. I thought it would be great to have her on the podcast. To shed a shed a little bit of light coming from someone who does it as a profession, who works with families and players to help them to understand um, the process of college recruiting and also college selection. And Great. you know, a lot of athletes out there um, and a lot of parents don't get to do this twice. You do it once, and it's usually your first time doing it. And when you, so it's, it's always good to have someone that can help you to understand how to navigate the terrain and understand what you, what your goals and your objectives are as a family and then help you to be able to, 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 to figure that out. So um, tell me what, tell me what, you know, being in, being in the Midwest, in the middle of the country, obviously you're working with people all over the country, right? Yeah. You're working with not just people just in, mid, in the Midwest, but you're working with people on the East Coast, Northeast, Southeast, uh, overseas too, Southwest, internationally. Um, what I've as a as a person who does, um, who works with hitters and who works with with, with teams and who works with with athletes on, on a training level, I found that there are a lot of differences culturally, and even within the United States, subculturally, the people that are in Texas are different than the people who are in Florida, who are different than the people who are in Arizona, who are different than the people in the Northeast, and who are different than the West Coast people, just in terms of their approach to sports. And, you know, yeah. and so I'm curious to know what what differences you've seen or you've witnessed or you've experienced when working with different families in different places. Um, can you elaborate? Yeah, I think it's a good point and kind of a, a good topic, you know, Rob, specifically. So, um, as I mentioned, I was born and raised in the Midwest. Um, I'm going to date myself. I played in college a little while ago, so the uh, game has certainly changed and really has evolved. Um, I think, you know, when I was kind of coming up through the ranks and played for a pretty decent travel team here out of Illinois, um, it was just right around the time that the Beverly Bandits and Bill Conroy were actually uh, coming up the ranks. They were a big competitor of ours, but... Uh, at that point in time, and to, to at least kind of put a timeline on it, I was in high school from uh, 2004 to 2008, um, and then I went on to actually Casita Drake University. But even at that point in time, things were really segregated. I mean, you had the West Coast ball, and you had kind of the Southeast area where they could play year-round. And then you had us poor Midwest kids that only had, you know, a few few months in the fall and a few months in the summer, you know, to really kind of kick it up a notch. So there was a lot of segregation just in kind of playing abilities um, just from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a few years, I think that we definitely have done a better job of breaking down that barrier, you know, due to some of the teams like the Beverly Bandits, you know, some of the Southeast teams, um, you know, some of the Kansas City teams, you know, as well. Um, so 
I definitely have seen a shift. I still think there is some segregation. And to your point, Rob, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the mentality. You know, sometimes um, some of those East Coast families where they are in that little niche where they have high, high academic schools, mm-hmm. you know, like the Nest Tech camp- Conference, maybe their ultimate goal is to not play, you know, at the Division One. Maybe they want to go more the academic route and, you know, want to balance a challenging major choice with having the ability to play college softball. So um, I do agree to an extent that, you know, it happens regionally. I think it still happens to this day. Mm-hmm. But I would even say more so, Rob, it really comes down to the family. You know, I deal with families in the Midwest and girls are, you know, tired of staying in the Midwest. You know, they maybe want to go down to Tennessee, Kentucky, you know, the Carolinas a little bit. So in my experience, I think it's a personal preference. You know, if a kid wants to get out of their area, explore different parts of the country. I work with girls from California. I actually just um, was on the phone with one of my student athletes from California yesterday, and she is coming to uh, Illinois, actually, Aurora University, which is a D3 program. And she could not be more excited to get out of California. She's a little bit nervous, but Aurora University has a good roster of California girls that stay on the roster. So Mm -hmm. she was comfortable in making that decision, you know, and leaving the the West Coast. So Mm -hmm. um, still some segregation. You know, I think we've done a better job of breaking down that barrier. But in my experience, I would say it's more of a personal preference. Yeah, I I agree to to that. So so it's kind of like there's the there's the overwhelming majority and that that reasonably has like a culture to it and then you have yeah. the then you have the exception or the exceptional family like you're saying that is saying no i'm thinking i'm going to break the mold and i'm going to do the opposite like that sometimes i'll have an academic kid here on the northeast who could have went to princeton but they're like no i'm going to go to the sec <laughs> you know because okay. they because that's okay, what they that, that, that's what they want and i'll figure it out in math i'll figure it out in grad school like i'll i'll, I'll get i'll get Academic, so to speak, quote unquote. You know, I go for the academics in grad school. So, like, yeah, yeah, true, to your point, yeah, you have that 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 personal preference, which is the which would be the exception. But sometimes that that yeah. that uh, that regional subculture, um, you know, kind of dominates the choices because a lot of people kind of follow what the herd does and stuff like that. But oh, I was gonna say, I mean, I think that's an even better point that you just kind of brought up, Rob. Yeah. You know, and I think it depends in a lot of ways, you know, kind of the travel team that you're, you know, affiliated with as well. You know, if you're playing with a Birmingham Thunderbolts team or you're playing, you know, with a SoCal Athletics team, I mean, there's there's common goals of you gaining, you know, opportunities with that team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it is to play at the highest level or, you know, maybe you're going to be that kid that's going to stand out, you know, on that travel roster and say, hey, you know what, I really want to go for the high academic opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think it's 50-50, and I think you're right. It, it does kind of um, go in that position of, you know, do I follow the herd or, you know, do do I want to stand out at times as well? So let's talk. So there was an interesting article. Um, not sure where I saw it. I think I saw it. may have seen it as a, as a Facebook post. And the post asked the question, does playing on an elite travel ball team really matter? <laughs> oh, man, we're jumping right into early this morning, aren't we? Let's, <laughs> let's go for the gold right now. <laughs> So and yes, and and, yes, and, I, and hey, I think no and I, I have I, I have my thoughts. I mean, yeah, I don't want to warm up. This is this is transcending sport. We're going right to. I want to talk about what people don't want to talk about. <laughs> sure, uh, I appreciate that. So so Straight let so let's so. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? I, I have I have I have mixed feelings about that. But but I want to I want to hear. I was what gonna you. say. I mean, I'll 
with you, Rob. I mean, personally, I think it's a 50-50 scenario. I mean, I always go back to my personal experiences as well. Um, so, you know, I say that I played for a, a good travel team here out of Illinois. You know, and when I was coming up through the ranks, PGF was not very big at that point in time. Um, your goal as a high schooler, if you wanted to play at a competitive level, whether that be D1, D2, you know, whatever that may be, it was you were playing up a few levels. So I remember myself being, you know, a 13-year-old playing with 16-year-olds, you know, kind of working your rank up that way, and then playing with an 18U gold team, you know, at the ASA level. That was no, that was when you knew you made it at the end of the day. Um, I would say it's not so much like that anymore. You know, there's so many teams that are out there. And getting back to the point that we had just made a few minutes ago, I mean, there's great teams in the Midwest. You know, the Beverly Bandits. Granted, they don't have just Midwest players. You know, I, I will be upfront about that. Um, but there are good travel organizations in, in every part of the country. And, you know, I think if we're breaking things down by conferences or we're breaking things down by, like, the top 50, you know, Division One programs, do I think it helps to play on an elite travel team? Absolutely. You know, you're in front of those coaches consistently. You are at all of the right tournaments. You know, maybe your travel team has had some recruits already that have been committed to those programs and maybe your feeder programs. Yes, you know, that is absolutely happening. You know, if a college coach likes a kid or likes a team and they've built a relationship, granted, they're going to go back to the watering hole, right? You've probably seen that, you know, in, in your multiple years of coaching. So yeah. to some extent, I would say yes. With every single college program in the nation, absolutely not. You know, I've seen it firsthand. I have worked with a kid, you know, that has been on an army base in Italy because her parents are in the military, and she wants to pursue that opportunity of playing college softball. And she's open. You know, she's got great academics. She's open to whatever opportunities, and she's just actually not even playing travel ball. And there are still opportunities for her. You know, I think... If your passion's there, there are opportunities. You know, is it going to be at the Pac-12 SEC level? Maybe not. You know, but there's always exceptions to the rule at the end of the day. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll say this, and I'm going to rephrase it, because I think most people don't understand, you know, when we're talking about, oh, I want to play in college. Or if, even if someone says, I want to play Division One, And, you know, so, when somebody says to me, hey, do you think my daughter's Division One? <laughs> I know we're talking about softball, and I'm like, okay, well, it's a uh, okay, okay. So, so let's 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 define Division One. There's there's major Division One. There's mid major Division One, and there might even be a small amount of schools that are just a click below mid major in terms of like yeah. resources and, and and how competitive the conferences are, what have you. So let's let so don't just hit me with D one. So, because that's a broad, that's a broad spectrum. So let, let's. So what I say is, you know, based on my assessment, and maybe she's not a major division one player. Maybe she, maybe she's a role player if she was to play the major division one. Maybe she can make an impact year one or year two as a, a at a mid major, or maybe she's just you know in that, in that other category. But they're all still division yeah. one. But most people just say D one, D one, D one, and they just want to ride with that. So. Um, oh, but, 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 well, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Of, the, of Division One. But, but I believe that if you play on a really high level travel team that's competing against all the best teams in the country and you're on that team for two, three years, that's preparing you being at that level of, of competition for major Correct. Division One play. So it's, it's not about are you good enough, it's are you prepared 
have you played enough ball? Have you seen enough great, good pitching? If you're a pitcher, have you faced enough good hitters? And I think most people just they just feel like they, they don't they don't they don't get that. They're like, oh, my daughter batted 700, and that girl batted 400 in high school. Why is she getting the scholarship? Well, her summers are grind, and your summers are your vacation the whole summer. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's that's the, that's the raw truth. And you know, some people don't want to say it, but it's the they it's don't want to hear it. It's the truth. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's a, I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, I, so me as an athlete, I was a late bloomer. I mean, yep. you've met me. I am a five foot two, 115 pounds. I was not going to be your typical, you know, division one athlete, but yep. the team that I played for, you know, had a lot of affiliations at that D1 to level. Mm-hmm. We were playing at the right tournaments, you know, and I was being seen, mm-hmm. albeit I was a late bloomer, mm-hmm. you know, and I got a lot of, you could walk on and you, you know, maybe could have a little bit of money or. I also got the answer of, hey, kid, you're you're too late to the party, you know, unfortunately. So you, I think you're right. It's important to understand the family that there's different tiers to every single division level. And I don't even think it's just at the division one level. I definitely think it's you know, D3 program. Um, I mean, if you look at a D3 program, I was able to actually meet um, Keith Park from Christopher Newport over this past week at yes. the NFCA convention. Yes. And I mean, you want to talk about a powerhouse D3 program that could probably get some or is really getting some great athletes. You know, that that happens at that level, too. Yep. So um, you, no one may like it. You know, there is a tier system. You know, I was a mid-major Division One player. Drake was not, you know, fully funded program. We were private. Yep. You know, we played the, the big house programs, but we were not, you know, at that caliber. And I understood that, you know, going in. Yep. So yep. for some families, it's it's about the education and knowing, you know, the, the prep work that you've put into it, like you just said, too. So sh- shifting gears, I'm, I'm going for another, uh, another, really. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got to do this. Army, my <laughs> and, you know, these are things that obviously people are talking about, but I feel like, the people who are talking about it don't know what the hell they're talking about. So I'm like, I want to talk about it with somebody yeah. who I who I feel like I'm interested to see what you're what you're what, what you're gonna say to this question. So sure. So and and let's talk. I want to talk about early early recruiting. Now now see I, and I know so from I work with baseball players and I work with softball players too, and I know that yeah. boys taking boys to men and taking girls to women are like really different <laughs> two totally different worlds it's, it's a whole nother world like literally planet so when when, you, when we talk about and I want to talk about early 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 commitments um and I want to I want to want first I want to I want to talk about what you don't like about early commitment yeah and th- uh, then I want to so, talk about what you what you do like about it yeah, so uh, where do I even begin? Um, so I've been with NCSA over five and a half years now. Yep. And from the time of me playing Division One softball to where we're at now, like things have changed drastically from a recruiting sense. Um, I mean, one of my really good friends here uh, actually played at Nebraska. She was recruited as a catcher for Nebraska. And we were just kind of coming into that point, And she's just a few years older than me. I mean, she even in high school made her commitment like sophomore junior year nothing as extravagant as eighth grade freshman year I actually was that kid that made my decision going into my senior year so I was really late you know to the game but you, well 
you were well, well I'll, I'll say this. You were on time, not early. I'm not going to say you were late. Correct. correct. I'll say you were no, on time. Need... I'll say you were on time and everybody else was just <laughs> early or too early. From, from where we were at timeline-wise, it was considered quote-unquote late. You know, I think that's what we've progressed <laughs> to. But, Have uh, we progressed? Oh, it's a progression? I, I think we're digressing. I'll just check it. <laughs> I think my... My biggest gripes with the early recruiting is there's so much pressure on the athletes. And I think the thing that I, that really kind of breaks my heart and I get sad about is I am working or having conversations with too many athletes that are just buckling under the pressure and are not passionate about the game anymore. They're losing interest because we're starting them as 12, you know, 12 year olds and we're telling them that they need to be chasing this scholarship and that if they're not playing on these elite teams and they're not doing something 365 days a year, then they're not going to amount to anything. You know, not not those exact words, but that's the gist, you know, that, that these poor, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-olds are experiencing. And then when they're going through the high school experience, you know, they're they're not enjoying themselves in a lot of ways. And I'm not speaking for every athlete. You know, I, I don't want to pigeonhole myself that way, but... I think it's just the early recruiting has put so much pressure on both the athlete and the family, and I think they need to feel like they need to, you know, perform early on when, you know, this is a process. You know, boys, I think, you know, as, as you've alluded to the point, Rob, you know, they mature a little bit later, right? You know, they maybe hit their growth spurt a little bit later, whereas girls and, and young ladies, you know, we kind of hit that early on. But the other thing that I see, too, is some of us peak. You know, some of us are in, you know, that prime, and as a seventh, eighth grader, you know, freshman, sophomore, we look really great, but maybe we're not progressing like we should be. And, you know, then maybe those schools are losing interest or they're like, man, you know, I, I committed to that kid too early. So I really feel like it's a slippery slope, both from a coach perspective as well as a family perspective. But I think there's just too much pressure put on someone that age right now, unfortunately. I, I agree. So here's, here's what I, when I, when you think about it, if you look at the major Division One programs, the majority of the major ones, and I'm going to talk Division One because they're 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 verbal they're verbaling a lot earlier than everybody else. Yeah. So the major Division One programs, coaching staffs, one stay intact longer. Their assistants have more tenure. Yep. And if you verbal early, you're probably I don't and people say oh I'm, I'm you know I I gotta like the school that's BS you, you go to schools because you like the staff. That, that's a bigger part of it. Yeah. That's a bigger part of it. So I know it sounds good to be able to say, well, I like the school. Okay, yeah, right. Tell you, Keep telling yourself that. Those coaches and <laughs> those staffs are selling their personalities. They're selling their coaching styles. They're selling their resumes and their ability to develop athletes because some people just want that. They want that high yeah. level of, I want to compete for a national championship every year. I want the grind. And you have some people who are like, yeah, I, I love softball, but I also want to be able to have a have a, somewhat of a life also yeah and i want to be able to take the classes that i want to take when i want to take them and i want to, you know everybody has to get what they want out of the experience but but correct but but going back to that the the, the, the culture of, of the of the major division ones and how the staff stay together that's a big drawing card to get kids to want and get young athletes to want to commit but if you commit early to a mid-major program and trust me, a lot of those, most of those mid-major programs are filling out applications every year to go somewhere bigger, yeah. better, or higher. And some of those mid-major programs, head coaches will even take an assistant coach job 
and as you have seen have, have what's been happening right now um, just to get in with the big dogs so they can play on ESPN so that's that's another and then you commit and then next and, uh, two months later that coach is leaving and you're like okay now what, what? Is, the ne- is the next coach going to honor my deal it becomes it becomes a lot even a lot more stressful well, and I think it all it all stems from you know the early recruiting you know at the top level programs you know mm-hmm. is where it all started right yep, and yep. you know they've got to continue they've got to continue with that you know track record because they have to keep their jobs and they want their tenure and they want the best players you know Absolutely. I'm not I am not dogging that by any means but no, no, what no. we've seen is we've seen that we've seen that trickle down approach to the mid majors that feel like okay I'm really losing out on good players. Maybe kids that are in my backyard, you know, because we've got the big dogs that are sniffing around and we feel like we got to then throw our hat, you know, into the mix to even have, you know, a viable option. And then to your point, you're right. You know, a lot of those coaches are looking to make a transition or are looking, you know, to, you know, kind of move up and, and on. So it's hard. And I think it all gets back to the pressure that's put on the athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, if they feel like, you know, and maybe they only have one or two offers, you know, they feel like at that point in time, if there's a timeline on something and they don't take it, there might not be anything coming down, you know, the pipeline after and, and that. that. And, and that, that, that's a fact. Yeah, you're right. There's that, there's that pressure of, yeah. I, I better take this. I better say yes to this guy that's asking me to the prom because I may not get anybody else to ask me. You have that moment of panic and you're yeah. like, if I don't do this, you know, mm-hmm. we don't know what the future holds. And I think it's just, it's a, it's a messy process. And mm-hmm. I don't envy, you know, a family or a kid, you know, that, that is going through this process right now. I mean, I personally think something has to change, whether it's, you know, the NCAA stepping in, you know, I think that would be the realistic approach and just saying, hey, you know, we gotta put a halt on this, you know? Because the other thing too, Rob, is if you look at, you know, and, and I always say that, you know, girls generally mature quicker than boys. You know, I've, I've seen that personally. I've got a younger brother who played college baseball. You know, him and I were drastically different. But I look at my freshman self or my eighth grade self going into high school, and then I look to where I was at when I graduated. I was two totally different people. You know, I, as a freshman, told my parents, peace out. I'm heading down to Florida. I'm going to go be with family. I'm going to go be near the beach, and I want palm trees. You know, I, I liked the idea of the luxuries, right? Was that realistic for a kid from, you know, coming from Illinois at that time? Not really. But no one told me otherwise. You know, it took me a little while to wise up and say, okay, you know, that that was a facade. That was something that, you know, based on me being 13, that was something I liked. But when I really got serious about things, I had said, okay, my academics come first. You know, I want my parents to be able to come see me play. They invested a lot of money in me. They invested a lot of time in me. I had a younger brother, you know, that was going to be going through high school just after I graduated. I'm a family person, you know, and anyone that knows me, that is my bread and butter. You know, I come from a small, small family, and I only ended up going five hours away from home. I was strategic about it, so Dad couldn't show up on my doorstep, but I still wanted to be, you know, a little bit closer to home to to have that opportunity. And... You know, I, I think it's just funny because I think it's really hard for a kid as an eighth grader or freshman or even a sophomore to say, this is what I want. And I think we put pressure on them, and I know I'm guilty of this because of the early recruiting timeline. I'm asking them, what do you want? You know, what do you want in college? What are your expectations? What are your goals? But I also say, listen, I know that they can change. I Heck, I changed my major choice in college, so I'm living, breathing proof. You know that we grow and we develop as people. You know, not just as ball players as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 
This is Transcending Sport. I'm your host, Rob Cruz. Our guest is Jamie Dufek. She is a senior softball recruiting coach at NSCA. And we're talking recruiting. We're talking, you know, and, and we're really going in. We're going in. We're going deep into into recruiting and some of the issues. And what I, so I, I want to talk about something that you, that you, that you brought up. Um, a lot of female athletes are... They, they mature at an earlier age, but they don't necessarily peak at an early age. Yeah. But I feel like what I what I've been seeing is if you, if I, if I commit an eighth grader and I'm comparing her only to her eighth grade peers, she's probably better when you look at her with all the other thirteen year olds that, that I'm putting her next to. But then what if that's it for her? And then yeah. what, what if those other kids just pass her by, which they're probably going to, because she didn't really have the upside. And now what happens is you got this kid raking and they got to take a 10%, 20% offer. And you got a kid who absolutely is probably not going to play in college. But when she was in eighth grade, she was better than everybody else, bigger than everybody else, stronger than everybody else, faster than everybody else. Then all of a sudden, when the game got faster and the pitching got better and the, and the defenses got better, you know, she didn't really, she didn't really grow. And then some of those schools have made it, have made it a really hard choice. Now you made a point. You said you were two totally different people. You yeah. didn't say, you didn't even say player. I heard you. You said you were, you were a totally different person. So I feel like a lot yeah. of schools will, they won't make a mistake and say on, on a kid's athletic ability, but an eighth grader hasn't even become who they're going to be as a person yet until, until probably junior year. So now what happens is, oh, I didn't realize that she was going to be this kind of a person. I knew she was a great athlete when I committed her, but she's out of control. Look at her Instagram. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what have we done? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we forget about that. I mean, we put so much emphasis on the athletic side of things. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, one thing that I – and I, I give my credit to my college coach, Coach Calvert, like to a T – I mean, he was very strategic about the players that he brought in. You know, it wasn't always about, you know, I'm, I'm not discounting the, the athletic side of things, but it wasn't always the best player. Like, it was, he wanted to build a team. He wanted culture, and he wanted chemistry, and he wanted a winning program. And a lot of times you get that with working cohesively. You know, we've I've seen some teams, I've played some teams, that have had nine different individuals on the team and they're out there competing and they're all working against each other. Yeah. You know, what experience is that? You know, and, and you're right, you do as, as an early recruit, you take that gamble and you don't really know, you know, sometimes the type of person that you're gonna get, you know, when everything's all said and done. And sometimes, you know, it works out for coaches and I think sometimes it doesn't. You know, I had a, I've had a lot of conversations with coaches about this, and sometimes they feel like it's a coin flip. You know, <laughs> is this going to work out for me? Is it or is it going to not? You know, and I think that fall season initially, when you bring everyone in, um, you know, really is the true telltale of okay, you know, was was my gamble correct on this? And that's scary. You know, that's mm -hmm. a scary thought. Sure. Is. So, if if you had to give us, if you had to give us three things. I mean, you know, give me your most important thing to consider when selecting a, selecting a travel team. 
Oh, sorry, I lost you. Did you say three things to consider when, when you're selecting a travel team? Yes, three things. Three things to, three things to consider yeah. when you're I think the biggest thing, Rob, is to figure out what is it you want out of your college experience, okay? Is it you want to be that player that is playing for that national championship that you had mentioned? You know, do you want to play with the big dogs, and is that your number one goal? If so, then I think you should absolutely, getting back to our point, be looking at those top-tier teams. You know, you need the prep work. You need to be playing against that competition. You need to be going to those tournaments, you know, specifically. I think that's number one. So really sitting down as a family and more so as a player and understanding what's important to you. You know, is it playing at the top level D1? Is it, you know, you want a specific major choice, so you want the best of both worlds with your academics and athletics? I think that's definitely a big driving factor. I would say the second thing when you're selecting a travel team um, would be, you know, the type of tournaments that the teams are playing in. Um, I think that's a big thing because I think it kind of works cohesively with what are your goals. You know, if your goal is to leave the state of Pennsylvania and the travel team that you're on is only playing local tournaments, is that going to be realistically helpful for you as a player? Probably not. We want to probably look at a team that's doing a little bit more traveling, you know, getting a little bit more variety there potentially. Not saying that they're going all the way out to Colorado, you know, California, but if they're only staying, you know, kind of within their local area, probably not something that's going to be beneficial for you. Um, the other thing that I would also probably throw out there, um, and I would kind of, I would double dip on this, is I definitely think the finances, you know, are, are a factor. Um, I think that's important because if your family physically cannot afford playing on that team, I think you need to know that. You know, I think you, you need to know that early on because everyone forgets that softball in a lot of places is not the money-making sport. We are not the revenue sport in a lot of universities. And the idea of having a full ride and getting everything paid for is virtually non-existent in a lot of ways. So what you invest on the travel side, you know, and what you invest, you know, other ways as well, you know, if you're really digging yourself a hole early on and that scholarship or that opportunity or your kid's grades isn't there, you're not doing yourself any, any favors for one. And then I think the second part of that is definitely the coaching. I mean, I think we always forget about the coaching side of things, right? You know, when we talk about the, the high level teams and, you know, playing for this and that, but there's so much coaching that needs to go on in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, you know, all throughout high school. You're not stopping learning, you know, until you get to college and you're not even stopping in college at that point in time. So, you know, if you're a player and you know you still need to develop or you still need to work at those goals and those aspirations, then you need to be working with a coach that's going to help you through that. You know, it's not going to be helpful to work with a coach that's just putting the best nine players out there and not realistically doing any coaching, which happens. Mm -hmm. You know, that happens at all levels. So I think just really understanding who you are as a player, matching up what those goals are, and then finding a coach that can help you get to that next level as well. Um, I was very fortunate, Rob. I've had multiple coaches along my way, um, but uh, some of my most influential coaches, one of them, believe it or not, was my high school coach. Um, he was not the best coach on the athletic side of things, but I will tell you, he is very, very still close to my family. He was a father figure to me. He made high school ball fun for me. He really brought the passion back to the game for me, and I give him so much respect for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a 27-year-old, looking back at me playing varsity softball as a 13-year-old, 
you know, he really shaped a lot of that for me and was my biggest supporter when I signed my national letter of intent, even got a scholarship to Drake. So, you know, there's that side. And then there was my travel ball coach who pushed me and worked me, you know, and put me through the grind and, you know, yelled and screamed at me. But I was the type of player that needed that, you know. Um, you probably, and I don't think I told you this, but my dad is six foot three. He's a firefighter. He's a very intimidating, very loud guy. I know shocker because I'm very loud as well. I runs in a family probably, but I knew the type of coach I needed was going to match that. You know, I needed someone that was going to push me because that was the environment that I grew up in. I could not play for a soft coach. I couldn't. I would not succeed, and I knew that going in. So, you know, I think just understanding those early on um, would be my three points. That's great. <laughs> so, Jamie, this has been <clears throat> a really, really good talk. Better than I thought it was going to be, I must say. Um, you gave me no topic, so I thought you were going to walk me into a, a dark <laughs> tunnel here. I no. was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I never give my guests um, a heads up on what we're going to talk about. Because, oh, that's good to know. Because, because if you're not good enough to talk off the cuff, then you don't really know your stuff anyway. You're right. So, and, hey, and, and, you're and challenging I, me. I appreciate you for that. It shouldn't even, it shouldn't even been a challenge because this is, this is, this is who you are. It should just come out of you naturally. Yeah. And, and I, I don't want anybody, <laughs> I don't want any, I don't want anybody on my show that has to do research to figure out what they're gonna say. Like you either, hey, know, you either you, right? That. You either know your stuff or you don't. And I knew you, I knew you knew your stuff. I, I had this, this gut. <laughs> so, and, and and I would love to have you back. Yeah, I absolutely would. So we you know we'll 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 we'll, we'll try to get um, um, some more talks like this on different topics regarding regarding the process okay. and, and even some other stuff. You know, we, we get on here and talk about other stuff too. That I'm sure you you okay. know, I'm sure you uh, you're well versed in. Um, but before we depart, I want you to just let everybody know um, how they can get in touch with you um, uh, via you know social or what have you and um, yeah whatnot. So uh, ultimately, <laughs> you can find me in a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. I uh, feel like I virtually do it all. But um, so as I mentioned, I've been with NCSA, Next College Student Athletes, um, for five and a half years. So um, our direct website is www.ncsasports.org. O-R-G. So that's our direct website. Um, as you know, Rob, and we've figured out, I'm active on social media. Um, so my Twitter handle is super simple. It's at N-C-S-A, coach, C-O-A-C-H. And then my last name, Dufek. D is in David, U is in Union, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, E is in Edward, K is in King. I'm also on Facebook, too. Uh, I do Facebook Lives for NCSA as well. Um, I also do our Instagram takeover for NCSA, so we're on Instagram too. So, virtually anything you think social media, Rob, we probably have a handle for. <laughs> okay, great. So make sure you tag me on your Facebook Live so I can make sure I get it out to all my people. Um, Will do. I appreciate that. Uh, an educated person um, is more empowered, and an empowered person can make better decisions and choices. So anything that's out there that's going to give us more information is going to empower us to make better choices and decisions, which is going to then lead to ultimately more, more success. So I'm all, I'm all for that. Also, just to let everyone know, everything that we talked about in summary will be in the show notes. You can find the show notes at www.complete.game. 
don't go to completegame.com. That doesn't exist. It's complete.game. <laughs> and I will also have all of the contact information for Jamie and NSCA as well. I want to thank everybody for listening to Transcendent Sport. I'm your host, Rob Cruz. We out.